Jonathan Nato, and I'm a blind guy. Hey everybody, I'm Hamad Zaidi, and I'm a disabled guy. This is Limping on Cloud Nine. Yes, it is, and for those new listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know what Limping on Cloud Nine is, it is eclectic, tragic, funny, and humorous slices of my life. And today, Jonathan, do you know what we're going to talk about? No, but I'm excited. Yeah, me too, me too. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about my history with the Super Bowl. Ooh, I'm a fan already. But I'm not just going to talk about this current game. I'd like to share my entire history with the Super Bowl, how my love started for it, and what really pushed me to start attending them, which Mm. I do for my birthday. Awesome. Very cool. Let's go all the way back, way, way, way back to the 1970s. My first true memory of loving and experiencing a Super Bowl was certainly not live back in the 70s. It was on television. My mom managed a 7-Eleven when I was growing up, and I used to hang out at her store a lot. You know why? Because I'd buy one big gulp, and then I'd get all the Dr. Pepper I wanted for free for the rest of the day. Ah, that's where your addiction started. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) where it started. So back in the 70s, 7-Eleven used to rent little 13-inch televisions. No kidding. I remember it was January 1978. It was just before I turned 10 years old. And the Super Bowl was the Dallas Cowboys beating the Denver Broncos 27 to 10. And I watched it. And I'm telling you, man, I was hooked. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not going to lie to you and say, hey, man, from that moment, I wanted to attend the Super Bowl for my birthday because that wasn't the case. Right. But what was the case is at that moment, I thought, wait a minute, Roger Staubach is throwing touchdown passes to win Super Bowl twelve, And I know my left side is disabled, but my life side, my right side is pretty strong. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So I started dreaming about not just attending a Super Bowl, but playing in one, obviously, like, like a lot of kids did, right? Absolutely. So before I jump into sharing my first Super Bowl experience live, I'd like to go over two quick things. The first of which is, Jonathan, do you remember Nerf footballs, those sponge footballs? Oh, yeah, totally. I had tons of those as a kid growing up, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I needed to teach myself how to catch a football. And so what I did, and my mom and dad hated this, <laughs> but, you know, what I did is I got them to buy me a Nerf football, those like sponge footballs. And I went to the garage and took one of my dad's saws and I sawed off one end of the football so it would be flat. Okay, okay. And then what I'd do is I'd go to my bedroom and I'd throw the flat part of the football against the wall. Oh, man. So would it it bounce back to you pretty like straight at you or would it kind of ricochet off to the sides? No, no. It would ricochet off to the sides, which was perfect because I shared a bedroom with my uh, cousin – so we had two twin beds on either side of the room and then carpet in the middle. Yeah. Right? And so when I'd heave the football against the wall, because it's a sponge, I'd never know where it's going to go. Yeah, right? yeah. But I'd have to react really quickly and I'd have to teach my body how to twist and turn and keep my right side available because I can't catch with my left side. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I used to do this constantly, and that's how I learned how to catch a football. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And my mom and dad were all, would always pound on my door and like, stop that. Stop pounding the wall. Right? <laughs> Would you but, would you like dive onto the bed to you know to make a glorious catch some of the times? Yeah, I would. I would a lot. And here's a funny thing: sometimes I would miss the bed and fall <laughs> hard, right? And and either scrape my knee on the side of the bed or hit the dresser drawer. And my mom and dad would be like, "You're crazy! What are you doing, Hamad? You you like you're bleeding." And then you know, Jonathan, I'd look at them and I'd be like. All football players bleed, Mom. This is just part. <laughs> this is just part of the game. <laughs> exactly, right? So it's mm. still my favorite sport, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, me too. And you know, and then the the second thing that was the first thing. The second thing that happened that really launched me into attending Super Bowls for my birthday is how I went to England for a concert in June of 1990. And how I roomed with a random guy named Gary, who at the time was 45 years old. I was in my early 20s. And the first thing Gary told me is he said, look, we're going to be roommates. So I want to be honest with you. I'm dying of AIDS. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, and, you know, if you want to hear the full story, people, please listen to, to episode number five. But what Gary taught me is he said, look, kid, you're in your early 20s. What do you really want to do in life? And, and I told Gary, I said, I want to go to UCLA Film School. And, you know, I really want to go to the Super Bowl for my birthday. So Gary just said, listen, kid, if you want to go to UCLA Film School, you need to apply. And if you want to go to the Super Bowl for your birthday, you need to try. You know, watching the Super Bowl in 1978 on a black and white television at 7-Eleven. And then having Gary encourage me to really go after it in 1990. And anyone that knows me knows that it was always a topic of conversation that I wanted to go to the Super Bowl. And I, I tried to get a roommate of mine or a couple of buddies of mine to drive to um, the Super Bowl in Tampa the year, I think it was 90 or 91. And no one would do it, right? They're like, dude, you want to drive across the entire country without tickets to try to go to a game? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, let's just try. Let's go, right? So it didn't happen. But what did happen on January 31, 1993, which incidentally is my birthday, yeah. the Super Bowl was in Los Angeles, right? So my roommate Larry from my undergraduate school from Cal State Northridge, he, who is still a great friend of mine, he was one of the groomsmen at my wedding, Larry told me in 1992, he's like, hey, look, man, the Super Bowl is going to beat the Rose Bowl next year. And my business fraternity is going to be hosting a concession stand at the Super Bowl that will sell beer. Right? Okay, okay. Because back then, you could volunteer at a concession stand at the Super Bowl, and they would give your organization part of the sales or something like that. No right? kidding. So I did not have a ticket to my first Super Bowl. He just told me, look, I'll get you in. I know you're not in the fraternity, but I'll get you in as a volunteer, but you have to pour beer. Right. Yeah. So, which, which is really funny because I don't drink. All I drink is Dr. Pepper. I right. don't drink alcohol. Yeah. So, so there I was with my Dr. Pepper, you know, between my legs or under the counter, pouring beer at the Super Bowl. And the Dallas Cowboys were blowing out the Buffalo Bills pretty early on. So as halftime happened, what my buddy Larry did is he started telling people that were coming to get a beer. 
he started saying, hey, look, it's a blowout. It's a blowout, and today's my friend Hamad's birthday. If anyone's leaving the game, please give him your ticket, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people are like, are you crazy? We're not going to leave the Super Bowl. Who cares if it's his birthday, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Jonathan, five minutes into halftime, a reporter from New Orleans walks over to Larry, and he says, prove to me it's your friend's birthday. And Larry's like, Hamad, show him your license, right? <laughs> yeah. So I pull out my, my driver's license, and it says January 31. And then the guy takes out the Super Bowl ticket, and he hands it to me, and he says, happy birthday, kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you giving me your Super Bowl ticket? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm a reporter from New Orleans. I, I have a press pass. I don't need the ticket. Right. Oh, man. So I gave Larry this look and he's like, go, go, go. I'll cover for you. Just go. So I ran up to my seat in the 77th row, which took a hell of a long time because I had to limp <laughs> all the way up 77 rows. Right. And the first thing I saw at that Super Bowl was the Michael Jackson halftime show. Oh, man. Which was unbelievable. I didn't see all of it, but I caught like two thirds of it. Right. Yeah. And it was just crazy good. It was awesome. And at that moment, I decided that I would try to attend the Super Bowl for my birthday every single year. Mm. Right. So that was my first Super Bowl experience. And then what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, is I just want to mention a few other ex Super Bowl-related experiences and a few halftime shows that are pretty unforgettable. Yeah, definitely. Super Bowl 36 was the next one that was intensely memorable. That was Tom Brady's first win. Yeah. For, now, yep. um, for those who are, are Patriots fans or not, it was memorable for two major reasons. First of all, it ended on a field goal with time expiring, which was unbelievably fun to watch. And secondly, and I know you remember this, it was the year of 9-11. It oh, was yeah. the first Super Bowl after 9-11. Yeah. Right? So what I really remember about that, you 2 played the halftime show. Mm. And while they played The Streets Have No Name, they scrolled all of the 3,000 Americans that perished in 9-11. Oh, wow. They, they scrolled all their names on the inside of the Superdome walls. And... I got to tell you, Jonathan, I think there's only two days in my life that I cried as hard as I cried that moment. One was that moment, looking at all the names of 9-11, scrolled the walls of the Superdome while you two singing The Streets Have No Name. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And the second one was my, my last dog, Pepper, when he died. I cried for like three weeks. <laughs> I did. I did. I cried for three whole weeks when Pepper died. That was a really magical Super Bowl experience, too, because it felt like America was really uniting, mm, you know? Mm, yeah. And and I, I breathe the United States. I breathe everything America. So for me to be in that moment, sharing it with fellow Americans uh, was unreal. Yeah. Really beautiful. Yeah. You know? And then... I've got to say the other one that I really remember is the one I just came back from. <laughs> right? oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and I got to I got to share this with you, buddy. I attended this year's Super Bowl with the husband of one of my wife's best friends. Okay. Right. And he has been 
a Patriots fan since childhood, literally since kindergarten. Oh, wow. Now, has he ever seen any Patriots game before ever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, oh, sees okay. the, uh, he sees the Patriots when they play the Houston Texans because oh, okay. they live in Houston. Okay, okay. Right? And, but it's a really magical story why he fell in love with the Patriots, and that is he's from England. So when he moved to America as a very young child, he thought New England was England's team, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why he became a Pats fan, right? That's funny. And so I sat there at this year's game next to this guy. And I got to tell you, Jonathan, it felt like I was at a funeral for three quarters, man. <laughs> I, I, I can believe it when you're seeing your team down, you know, 28 to three or whatever at one point. Yeah, it was 28 three. And he kept on sinking his head and he kept on grinding his teeth. And he was thankful for being there. But every time I looked at him, I'm like, dude. You're here at the Super Bowl. No matter what happens, you are watching your childhood team play the largest sporting event in the United States. What in your hometown? What could be better? Yeah, yeah, seriously, right? seriously. You know, and then he's like, "I know, I know, but how do I cope with them losing?" So, for three quarters, it was literally like he was attending a funeral, right? Yeah. When it became 28 to 12, I looked at him and I'm like, hey, man, Tom Brady has eight and a half minutes and the ball and he's only two scores away. And my buddy looked at me and he and I thought he wanted to choke me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he wanted to, like, punch me because I, I think he thought I was just teasing him. And I'm like, dude, you're not we're not going to leave the Super Bowl early. We're going to enjoy it, and we're going to watch Brady. Yeah. And then everyone knows what unfolded. It was incredibly magical. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> that that place must have, like, erupted, you know. On TV, I, my wife was like, I hope they don't need to, like, reset anything because there's no way you're going to get all those people off the field now. Oh, no, it was crazy. It was unbelievable. And to be honest, when – they scored the touchdown in overtime when the Pats won it. Yeah. Him and I looked at each other and there was at least two to three seconds where we were both frozen before we reacted. We just saw the touchdown. It was right in front of us. Yeah. But, but we looked at each other like, did this really just happen? I mean, did this really just happen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was magic. Yeah, that, 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 that's definitely if, – if you were ever going to go to one Super Bowl, that would have been the one you wanted to go to. That would have been the one. I, I could probably go to 25 more and never see that happen again. Yeah, yeah abs- absolutely. You know, Jonathan, I wanted to share a few memorable halftime shows. But before I go into that, I just wanted to say I meet a lot of magical people at the Super Bowl, right? mm but there's two people in particular that I met at a Super Bowl game that I will never forget, and they do inspire me daily. Mm. It's do you remember Mike Utley? Yes. Did he play for the Buccaneers? No, Utley played for the Detroit Lions. Okay, okay. But but he was the one that was paralyzed on the field, and he's the one that gave the thumbs up. Ah, uh, right, yes. As they were giving him. Remember that yes. years ago? Yes. I sat next to Mike and his wife, Danny, 
And they are two of the most inspirational, amazing people. Because, you know, Mike's been in a wheelchair since that accident. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, I mean, the guy is one of the strongest people I know. I mean, if you if you see him in person, he is really, really strong. Right? Yeah. And his wife, Danny, is just amazing. And to sit next to po- people as positive as Mike and Danny Utley was just an intense inspiration for me, mm, you know? Mm, yeah. And then um, sliding into halftime shows, I'll be quick, but there's just a few I wanted to pay homage to. The Rolling Stones played Detroit at halftime. Yeah. And, oh, my God, that was amazing. The day I fell in love with my wife all over again, it was before we were engaged, is the Miami Super Bowl. In 2007, the year that that, uh, Peyton Manning won his first. Yep. Right? But what was memorable about that, because the game was kind of boring, but what what was memorable about that, Prince did the halftime show, Mm. and he sang Purple Rain in the rain. Yeah, it it just started raining out of nowhere during the halftime, right? No, no, no. It was raining all day long. Oh, okay. I I couldn't remember if... It was pouring rain, really, really hard rain all day. And, you know, I mentioned that's when I fell in love with my wife all over again. The reason is we were, and it was warm, it was 80 degrees, but we were drenched in rain, right? Yeah. So in the middle of the second quarter, I turned to my wife and I said, hey, sweetie, I know we're both drenched. If you want to leave, I'll leave the game. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. And and she just turned to me and smiled. And she goes, no, we're here till the very last second. And I just thought, you know what? This person doesn't even like football that much. It's pouring rain. And she's willing to sit next to me for another three hours. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is a keeper. You should, you keeper. should have proposed to her right there. <laughs> I know. I probably should have, man. I, 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 I probably should have. Yeah. So I better shut myself up before I get too sports heavy and talk for another another 40 minutes about sports. (laughs) But but I I wanted to share this because everybody out there has something they've always wanted to do. Yeah, what what about you, man? Is there anything that you really wanted to do? I mean, someday I'd like to, you know, kind of travel in some sense. I, I I would like to be able to do that, but I don't really have any... I, I I would love to just go meet lots of different like people groups and just really see what the rest of the world is like with my own experience instead of like being fed like you know through media oh this is how this place is or this this is how these people are well, you know like well, I, I'd ra- I'd rather experience it for myself. One thing I can tell you, my friend, is that experiencing different parts of the world and different cultures gives you a completely different perspective on what any country's media says about any place in the world. Yeah, exactly. So that that's why I'd love to just go places on my own, you know, and experience it for myself as opposed to what I see through a screen, you know? Oh, no, absolutely. In, in fact, right now, as you people are listening to this podcast, Wind Down, <laughs> call, email your boss and tell them you're sick and go do something tomorrow that you've always wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
You know, <laughs> because if they're going to fire you for one sick day, then you don't want that job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't, if they don't, you get a tremendous experience out of it. Absolutely. So, so I think that's what I'm, I'm I think I'm ready to wrap up. That's what I wanted to share today. But, um, you know, awesome. I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell people that. You got to just go out and do stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. You can find us on Twitter, Limping on Cloud 9, Facebook uh, page, Limping on Cloud 9. Uh, Stitcher Radio, I believe, is fixed now, so that's good. iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff. You can find us everywhere. And, uh, you know, again, thanks to everyone that's uh, listening. We keep, you know, getting more and more downloads, so we appreciate all of that. And, uh, Hamad, how can, the, how can they reach you if they want to email you and get a hold of you? Oh, the easiest way is to reach, to email me at info at limpingoncloud9.com. They can also just email me at hamad at, at limpingoncloud9.com, but really, info is easy to remember. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to answer any questions anyone has. Awesome. Uh, so, again, we thank you for listening and downloading, and uh, we will talk to you next episode. See ya.